Hello, you've reached the Spooky Chris podcast. Welcome. I am the aforementioned Spooky Chris. My name is Chris Ringler. This is my wee little podcast. You can find all of my podcasts at SpookyChris.com as well as all, as all my blogs, my reviews, my uh, links to my books um, and my short films and everything else. Uh, so for this little adventure, uh, I had recently uh, tried my hand at kind of making up a a story freestyle, just kind of making it up on the fly on Mike, and I wanted to try my hand at that again. Uh, I have an idea in my head, and I know where it's going to go. I just thought I would kind of challenge myself to see where we end up and where we start and all that. So so that's, that is what you are about to endeavor upon, is that kind of an adventure. Um, it doesn't have a title that I can recall off the top of my head but this is a piece of fiction so so as i i drive into it um i, I don't expect anyone to think that the aliens are landing and that that we've been invaded by mars so that being said here we go my brother craig was not someone uh you would have heard about uh, outside of the, the Tri-County area, he's not someone that would have a name that would ring a bell. He would just be another name on another list, like so many others. Uh, my brother, though, uh, in our town and uh, in the Tri-County area, uh, was a bit of a legend. My brother Craig had been popular in school, had been an athlete. Um, he had broken the... Uh, long-distance running record uh, for time by a full minute. Um, you know, the, the thought uh, with, with his coach and my parents was that he would one day uh, be an Olympian. Uh, my brother, for his part, didn't really take much creed in that. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he loved to run. He loved to swim. He loved basketball. He loved sports. Um, but they were just things he, he could do, um, you know, like some people can whistle. Um, this was just something he could do. I was never any good at sports. I was never any good at, at that kind of a thing. I was usually more withdrawn reading a book somewhere. I liked studying and learning. Um, I, was, I was kind of a, a school geek. Uh, it was interesting because my brother and I didn't look alike at all, and... Our personalities weren't alike. Uh, we never interacted at school. We were five years different. And unless you knew our names, you'd never guess we were brothers. But when we were home together, it was different. There was no rivalry. There was no animosity. Uh, we were just kind of casual buddies. Um, you know, we, we each gave the other his his space uh, and as we got older that space got greater between us but we we were as close as i think you, you could have hoped for a 16 year old and an 11 year old to be but my brother was famous for another reason um in the fall of his 16th year um, 
this would have made it 1998 he did something extraordinary uh, he had been out for a run and as he was running it had started to rain and near where we live kind of out in the country there are severe turns and curves and heavy woodland on either side and on one stretch there is a pond the pond isn't terribly deep but there is an area that drops down to about 15 feet now again not very deep but deep enough to cause trouble my brother was running as the rain came down and he had his headphones on and he had a, a my dad's old tape player um on and with with a, a mixtape that his uh, girlfriend at the time had made uh, and I only know these things because I looked. <laughs> I looked afterwards because um, I was curious, like, what do you listen to when you something extraordinary happens? And it was love pop songs and a few kind of raunchy uh, rock songs. Um, the, the kind of thing that a young couple would kind of, it's their language, um, the language of, of wanting uh, but nothing nothing epic or extraordinary but it didn't matter my brother had been running and as he as he was getting close to our house uh, the rain started to fall harder making it hard to see so he pulled his his the hood up on his gray track jacket and he was nearing the pond and it, uh, it, and he, he was never sure why he just happened to look over into the pond and saw the ass end of a car. And he had to take a double take because he was sure he didn't see what he, what he had. But the fact was that, he, 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 it was that it was a car. A car was submerged. Um, and it had submerged to an angle that it was a, it was a small... Uh, sedan and it had submerged at an angle where the water came up and to right the the very bottom of the back window and my brother stopped and, and he had he had a moment where he wasn't sure what to do um, this was a time when when it wasn't ordinary for kids to have cell phones or kind of ways to, to call the police and he wasn't sure what to do but something something moved him and he had told me late one night you know there's the two of us awake in the dark you know he had started to get nightmares after this and he was asleep on my floor for the you know the first month after and he he was awake and, and I woke up and, and saw him awake and I asked him what was going on and he told me that it wasn't an act of, of bravery in his mind. He just, he had to go and do this. He had to go and make sure. And he wasn't even sure what he's making sure of. That was a crazy thing. So he veered off the road and made his way down the hill. And the hill was, was heavily brushed. And you could see the deep tired marks in the mud where this car had gone. 
and my brother reached the, the edge and he just jumped in and he uh, swam over to the car and then he dove down and he saw someone slumped in the seat. He wasn't, the, the, the back, back door wouldn't open. The front door wouldn't open. Nothing was opening and, and he could only pound on it and he'd have to go up and get air. And he went down again and he did that twice. And then the third time he went down and he tried this just out of sheer panic because the, the car was filling up. He tried the driver's side drawer one, door one more time and it opened just a crack but he was able to pull and pull with all he had with strength he didn't know he had to get it open enough and that was sheer luck that it wasn't a deeper pond that the car hadn't gone further down and he wedged it open enough that he could get his shoulder in and push it and he he told me again had he not been a swimmer in school, he, he's, there's no way he could have done this because he, he was down there so long. He, he said he could he his chest was burning and he lost track of of how, how long he was down there. But he knew it was longer than he'd ever been underwater before. So he got the door open enough and the water flooded in. And the water smashing into this person woke them up. And it was a young woman. And she was in a panic, and he reached out for her, and she fought him as much as she could under under the water. And then I, it dawned on her what where she was, and she was screaming. And as she was screaming, she was taking all this water, and her eyes rolled back in her head. And he grabbed her arm, and he pulled, and she, and, and again, it was sheer luck. She hadn't latched the safety belt she didn't put it on but it hadn't clicked in so it, she she pulled to the side towards him and it just came free uh, and he could feel it he was his vision was starting to gray he was he had been down there too long but he couldn't leave her so he was pulling and pulling and he had pulled her with so much strength that he pulled her arm out of her, out of her socket, and they only learned this afterwards. But she got her, he got her through that that narrow space and free, and she floated upwards. And he like swam for all he had to get to get up and get some air, and and they they managed to break the surface at the same time. And he grabbed her other arm and started swimming to the shore. And he made it to the shore, and his his head pounding his chest burning he pulled her up onto it and she was unconscious and he rolled her and part of our school's swimming um program is they would teach you um uh, cpr and life-saving uh, techniques just in case something happened they wanted all of their their uh their swimmers to have that ability in case something were to happen during a meet and so he started doing cpr on her never had seen this young woman before and didn't know who she was she's a stranger he, he thought she was maybe in her 20s it turned out she was uh in her late teens um a girl from two t two towns over um she had been on her way to see her brother um who lived 
just past our town. Um, and, and she had gotten caught in the rain and her wipers didn't work and she had missed her, her, the curve and went off and he's working on her and working on her. And as he is, there's all these shouts and there's lights and he doesn't know what's happening, but he, he can't, he just, he, he just keeps working on her. And finally, finally she coughs up a mouthful of water and then rolls to her side and just vomits all of this water out. More water than he could imagine that, that she, she would have in her. Um, and she looked up at him and, and he, he smiled because she was alive and she just had a far off look in her eyes. Like she just wasn't even there. So my brother turned, and there was an ambulance and a, a fire truck and a cop car and two cars, and he doesn't know where they came from. He learned later someone had seen him run and jump into the water and had call, called the police on their cell phone. Again, like it was, it was this, this businessman um, who had it. Um, and it was, you know, something he, he, he used in emergencies, he said. And he had used it to call to get help. And the ambulance took my, my, my brother and this girl. They, they loaded them both in. It was a s small hospital um, at the edge of the county. And they took them both in. The girl was silent as they they kind of warmed her up and, and, and checked on her. And my brother, again, they, they also were making sure he was okay. And he had some bruises, but he was generally okay. The girl, like I said, uh, had had her arm pulled from the socket, but otherwise was good. Um, they went to the hospital and everything was great. Um, and then nothing. Nothing happened for a week. Um, it just kind of came and went, and it was something my mother and father just prayed on every night and, uh, and thanked thanked God that, that, that their son had lived and he was very quiet about it. He didn't really have a lot to say. Um, he just, like I, I, I mentioned, he, he, it was just something that he did. He had to do. He had no choice. Well, it was well over, a, you know, well, like a week and a half and word got out. And I don't know if that was because the girl had been in the hospital. We, we, we were really kept in the dark or someone had told someone, um, it was interesting because it was almost like it never happened. The, the rain washed the tri tracks away. Um, they pulled the car out the next day. Nobody really talked about it. My brother never wanted to talk about it. Uh, so it almost like it didn't happen. But a week and a half later, and again, we live in a small area. There's no, you know, the, the nearest news station is, is half an hour away. Um, you know, the, the local newspaper covers, covers the, the school board meetings and the, uh, the, you know, some of the local sports and local recipes, but they don't really cover hard news. So a week and a half later comes and we get a call and it was from the t TV news and they wanted to know 
if that was where Craig, and I'll leave our last name out, lived. My dad said, yeah. Very, very standoffish. That was dad. Um, was not going to give you anything. And the person on the phone said, well, my name is, is uh, yeah, it was Teresa such and such from, from Channel 9 News. And they had heard about his story. My dad said, what story? Again, like, very standoffish. We, you know, he, he must have known what they wanted, you know, what they were referring to, but he was very standoffish. I'm like, well, we heard that he saved a young woman, and we wanted to talk to him. My dad was like, I don't, I don't, I don't really know about this, because we were a private family. We were very quiet and didn't, didn't want a lot of attention. That was just how we were. And my brother had come into the uh, kitchen then where the phone was, and the young woman had said, well, you know, I, 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 I understand your, your trepidation here, but as a matter of fact, this is going to be Mr. James uh, Donahue's last show. Um, James Donahue was their, their main anchor, and he would do people pieces. Um, and it was called People Like Us. Um, and, and where he would kind of go um, man on the street style and talk to people and go where people were and he'd just kind of like shine a light on regular people. James Donahue, it was going to be a last show, and James desperately wanted to speak to my brother for his last show about saving this young woman. My dad looked at Craig and Craig kind of gave him a look and, and shrugged, wasn't sure what was going on. Dad held his hand over the phone and said, James Donahue wants to talk to you on the TV. McCraig gave him a, a, a strange look. I was at the, the kitchen table <sighs> doing my homework. And Craig kind of looked at me and looked at Dad and, and again shrugged. And Dad shook his head no. And then Craig thought about for, and all this happened just in a 30 seconds. And he, he kind of nodded his head and, you know, kind of gave another shrug as a teenager does and he said sure and my dad gave him a look and said oh you know gave him the okay sign he got on the phone like okay uh what's your contact number and we'll we'll get back to you so he wrote down a number and hung up and, and all of us got together and they they talked and my dad was like why do you want why do you want to do this i thought i thought you kind of wanted just to let this go and 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 craig Craig, Craig said, well, uh, when am I going to get a chance to be on TV? <laughs> we kind of laughed um, because it was true. Um, you know, it was one of those things. Being on TV was still kind of cool um, and novel back then. You know, you can kind of, it seems like you can fall into a TV or some kind of broadcast these days, but it was different then. So, mom and dad agreed, and uh, dad called back, and they made plans, and we were going two days later into the studio so my brother could be interviewed by James Donahue on his last day. So we hung kind of backstage. It, was, it turned out it was a very small set. Uh, it was a, a desk and, like, a, a big TV behind them, and... 
cameras in front and then nothing just kind of nothingness so we kind of sat in a on a couch and they weren't going to go on the scene this time it was because they were they were kind of having having a big to-do about james donahue's last day so they wanted to keep him in the studio because um, at the end of the broadcast they're going to have a big kind of like a, we saw a cake back there and there's balloons and all kinds of stuff uh, so they wanted to keep him there. So we, we came in the studio. We watched him do the broadcast. They did the, you know, the, the opening news stories and then did the kind of sp- sports and everything. And then as, as it crawled to the bottom of the, the 5 o'clock hour, they motioned Craig over and they got him mic'd up. They put a mic on him and Craig had a tie on and a, and a button-up shirt, and which wasn't tucked in, and um, some khakis and they sat him in a chair um as they were at commercial break and it was on a side set where there was a a big fake tree and then in the other chair was empty and suddenly james donahue came in and he, he just he looked kind of frazzled um his hair wasn't as you, you the thing about him is his hair was like so neatly parted i swear you could have taken a ruler and it was just not a hair out of his place. And it was it was kind of tousled. Oh, he had rings under his eyes. He just, he looked like he was having kind of a rough time. And and, and, and you know what? Everybody kind of, it, our family talked about it afterwards. And we kind of figured, you know, it's his last day. It's probably hard to, to kind of hang it up. He chose to, but it was kind of, got to be hard to kind of hang it up like that. And just having a hard time. And probably anxious to, to get the day over and everything. So, so he sat down, didn't talk to my brother, didn't do anything like they put the mic on they they patted his face to get this because he had been sweating a little get the sweat off and then he didn't even look at my brother and then lights came on all of a sudden hello i'm james donahue and let's meet someone just like us and he turned to my brother and he, he asked him like so craig we hear you're a hero. Can you tell us about it? And my brother was was nervous, but you know he he he, he kind of stammered his way through the story, um, as much as, he, as he, you know he could remember, and then what the police had pieced together, and and told him. And James Donahue nodded, tapped his chin, said, "Ah, interesting. Yeah, just, just the, the kind of usual things." But it was a a two-minute segment, not very long. In the end of it, you know, Craig said, "And and that that's that's what happened." And uh, it went so fast um, because because Craig didn't really have a lot to say. I was running, saw this car, blah blah blah. Um, all told, the segment was I think they said three and a half minutes was what they were anticipating, but they could go to five. James Donahue said, great, great, great. Craig, it's a pleasure to meet you. You're such a hero to this community, and I'm sure this young lady is very happy to be alive because of you. He looked at the camera, and then he froze. James Donahue froze for 30 seconds, and nobody knew what to do. And finally they cut it just like that cut the lights came over and said james how's it going and he's like great everything's great and he got up 
brother, my brother stood. They held his hand out. You do the kind of polite thing. They shook hands. And then James Donahue, like, leaned in and kind of gave him a weird kind of a side hug. Leaned in towards his ear. And said something. And then nodded and then walked away. And my brother kind of gave him a strange look. And then that was that. Uh, we went home. Mom had uh, had to set the VCR so so it would would record. Um, we had to go buy new new VHS tapes um, so we could record the new segment, and we watched it. It was great, and it was interesting because. You would never guess this just the weird way things concluded because he just he looks at the camera for 10 seconds and then it cuts uh so somehow they have been able to, to, to cut the, the feed sooner and that was that and we all went back to our lives but craig was a little different afterwards that was really when he started sleeping in my room as is things have been okay but he started to have nightmares after after that night um so that weekend we uh we had gotten a call um from uh my aunt Joni um a nurse at the hospital that uh Craig had been at and she had told my dad, and I had overheard, um, that the young woman that Craig had saved had died. And my dad was like, oh, that's too bad. That's so, so terrible. And, and, and I could, you know, you know, heard him and mom talking afterwards. And the young woman had killed herself. Um, she had been in the hospital for those you know for a, a week after taking on so much water and had, hadn't really spoken to many people her family had come her brother had come you know like to see her and she just never had really perked up they let her go and she kind of went back to her life um and nobody knew anything else until they brought her in and she had uh overdosed and you know while they wouldn't you know they couldn't couldn't say anything for sure like it seemed clear she had intentionally overdosed and it was really weird um they didn't tell craig at first because they didn't they didn't know how he'd take it but um that did make the newspaper and that was when my brother's name kind of came into the newspaper as the whole story started to come out and then two weeks later uh we were watching the news and there was a story that James Donahue had been found dead. He, uh, had driven into a wall. Um, just driving home. Uh, one night he was a bachelor. Uh, he was driving home from a dinner he had had by himself, uh, out at a, in the city he had been driving home veered off the road and right into the side of a of a grocery store 
and had killed him. And that, you know, Craig had been strange to begin with after the interview. And then finding out about the, the girl and now this. And he became very withdrawn and very, very distant. And dad and mom started to get worried, but they didn't want to pressure him. Um, he had a lot going on that was, it was getting near to uh, uh, finals. And, and there was just a lot of pressure. So he didn't want to push. And that's the thing is, is parents never want to. You never want to kind of push too hard, but then you don't push at all. And it's too late. They found my brother floating in the pond uh, a week to the day after James Donahue died. Um, he had gone to his girlfriend's, who was you know a mile away, and, and he would just always walk there. And you know he just he liked to kind of be alone, and he would go out there after school. And he had lawn, le they had left school together, and he'd gone over to her house, and then he had been supposedly walking back. And just never came back. And he was found the next morning by an old couple that had been walking their dog. Um, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Your family doesn't really come back from. Um, you know, I would never say he was the favorite son. I don't think that's fair to, to say about my mother and father. But it was it was clear that that had affected them deeply, and I understand. I mean, how could it not? And it affected me. Um, there was just no way to get past that. That was kind of a weight that wouldn't leave us. And so time went on, and as I got older, like the, his absence grew heavier. And it was just strange. Uh, Mom and Dad got distant. Um, you know, they were still not good parents. They still went through the motions of being married. But the, there was a divide between them. And I couldn't, I couldn't get out of my head the entirety of it all. Like Craig finding that girl going on TV, the strangeness with James Donahue, James Donahue dying, the girl dying my brother dying, all of them dying in quick succession with uh, the girl being first. And one night, you know, I was, I was 11 when he died and it was when I was 15. Uh, and I was in bed and I don't know why, but it, it, I, I had a dream about Craig on the news and about the handshake and it was as if something had happened there because and I, I remember the look on Craig's face and he had been so happy and then something kind of crossed it and he wasn't sure as he was hearing something he wasn't sure how to take and he wasn't sure how to process and I could see that James Don he was whispering something into his ear and then he pulled away and he nodded to him and then walked away I asked mom, I asked dad, like, do you remember that? Do you remember what happened? And they said, we don't, you know, we don't really want to talk about that anymore. I, 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 
went through our tapes and couldn't find the tape. Um, it was gone. Um, and dad had said they'd thrown it out. Um, that they just didn't want it around anymore. So there is a strange mystery and I, I wasn't sure what to do with it. So back then there was something called the Usenet. Uh, and you would get on your computer and it was kind of like a kind of similar to message boards, how they work now, but it was, they were basically message boards. And I started going kind of looking for message boards about strange things, um, or local things. And I was just looking, uh, I would do internet searches for that news station for that, for James Donahue, for my brother's name, anything, couldn't find anything. And I don't know what I was looking for. But something was wrong. Something had happened, and, and I wasn't sure what it was. Well, I posted on a, on a board. Um, uh, I lived in, in Conway County at the time, and I found a message board on it's America Online. It was an internet service, um, AOL. Um, and it was Creepy Conway. And it was people telling ghost stories and stuff. And I popped up and I said, hey, did any remember, anyone remember James Donahue? And a few people said, yeah, 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 yeah. And one, one, one guy popped up and he said, yeah, I used to work with him. And I was there um, for his last broadcast. And it was like, you know, they just ended it with freaky. And... I responded, I said, you know, I was there too, uh, you know, and um, we exchanged email addresses because I didn't really want this to be public. And I said, you know, hey, this, this is who I am. Um, my brother was on there and this, this guy, you know, he, he, he had information that he, he had worked there. He said he, he ran the audio board back then for the station. He was working at a bigger station now. He said it was all really weird that James Donahue had been very strange the whole day. Nobody sure was sure what was going on. And even when they did his sign-off, um, he had kind of just gotten distant and quiet and, and just kind of zoned out. And it was very weird. And I mentioned, like, you know, he, he, he said something to my brother that really kind of weirded my brother out. And I just, I've always kind of wondered what he said. And he was like, I remember... Um, that actually, uh, because a few of us in the, in the, the room in, in the uh, command center had seen, you know, had seen that's why well, one of his coworkers had pulled, you know, had dropped the camera and, and, you know, it had, had stopped the feed and, and, you know, they were all kind of just weirded out by it and they had recorded audio. They had not stopped the audio yet. It didn't, it didn't go out, but they had recorded it. And I said, are, are you serious? He said, yeah, I actually uh, might have a connection to try to track some down. He's like, it's possible they would have gotten rid of it, but it's hard to say. They like to keep archives just in case, you know, there's an a anniversary or something that they need, they need something, and they don't, you know, you don't want to really get rid of things unless you have to. So he said, give me, give me a few days, and I'll see what I can do. You know, a few days went by, a week went by, a week and a half, and I hadn't heard from him. And I emailed him, didn't hear from him. I'm like, shoot. Like, I was, I was bummed because I, I thought, you know, I was going to get some answers. Well, finally, three weeks later, I get an email said, hey, sorry about that. 
life happens. My friend was able to pull audio. I'm not sure if this answers anything. I, I listened to it and I don't, I don't know what to make of it. But here's here's he he caught that clip, and he had uh, he had attached it. So I I was really excited. I mean I I don't I don't know what I expected to hear. And so I played it, and it was you know it was muffled like you know the, the sound of you know people getting up and 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 my brother's like oh you know thanks so much this was this was a real pleasure. And James, I don't know if you could hear him getting close and he had leaning towards, you know, you could hear, hear him getting close to my brother's microphone and you could hear him breathing like very hard. And just out, out of nowhere, he said, you know, they're up there. They're up there watching and they won't do anything. And then I remember they say, uh, and then, you know, you could hear the people coming in to kind of uh, check on him and then, you know, get the mic off and everything. <laughs> but that's where the audio cut out. And I listened to it probably a hundred times. They're up there and they won't do anything. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what it means to this day. Um... I, I don't, I don't, I, I only, I, you know, it's, I, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't know what it means. But I wonder, you know, my brother was different after he heard that. It was different, different after all of it. And I just think of James Donahue sometimes and what went through his head when he drove himself into that wall and my brother when he, Wondering what went through his head when, and and everyone says it was an accident. It was an accidental drowning, but I just don't believe it. I believe my brother intended to go into that pond and intended to drown himself. They had found a big stone in his pocket um, that was smooth, so they thought, well, he probably picked it up. But but I, I think he was trying to weight himself down and maybe just didn't. I don't know. Something happened and he didn't need to. But I think he. He had the, the outcome he intended, but I wonder what went through his mind and wonder what went through that young girl's mind when she uh, made her decision. All three people tied directly or indirectly to one incident on a distant road far away from everyone on a rainy day where they were watching and wouldn't do anything from above.